Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. All right, good morning, church. It is such a privilege to be sharing God's word with you this morning. And I have a message that has been stirring on my heart for quite some time now. And I'm super excited to be tagging on to uh, my dear husband's message from last week. Uh, because we're unraveling the series right now. We, the church, as Ladia mentioned, and last time Justin talked about follow, how we can be followers of Jesus Christ. And today we will dig into what is probably my most favorite go-to scripture in the whole Bible, the one that Ladia just read to us. We're going to read it uh, in, in various different forms and shapes today. And Justin mentioned this last week also, that it is my favorite scripture, something that I keep on coming back to. And today I'm going to take some time to explain why. Because sometimes it is a bit of a faith journey involved when God opens up scripture to us. God takes us on a journey and God opens up uh, his word to us. So today I will be sharing a little bit of my story. And uh, with me, or with Justin I should say, you get a little bit more theology. He goes, he goes a little bit deeper. With me, you get a bit more passion and a little bit more of a practical day-to-day application. So let's pray together before we get into the Word of God. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this opportunity of gathering together as your your brothers and sisters here, as a body of Christ. And I pray that as we read your Word, as we try to figure out how we can be followers of Christ, I pray that you will open your Word to us, both individually and together as a body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So Justin and I, uh, we have been part of this church for about 13 years now. We came here to Malmö back in 2009 to study. We found this church, I think the third week in, and we have been here ever since. And today we are happy to have our two boys roaming the place downstairs, hopefully not causing too much trouble in city kids. The status is the right. But seeing my boys growing up in church is actually one of my proudest life achievements. Because this was something that I really, really longed for when I grew up, when I was a young teenager. I really wanted to be part of a congregation, to be part of a body of Christ. And I I grew up in a Christian family. My my parents were Christians, but for some reasons or a story that I'm not going to get into today, we were not part of a church. So I didn't have this. I didn't have a church to come to on Sunday mornings. And even though, like, I really believed in God, like, I mean, I I really wanted to, to get into it because faith has always been very real to me. And, and I actually, you know, it was times in my life when I, I rather wanted to deny the existence of God because it would have been a lot easier for me in the secular environment where I grew up. And I tried but God, I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't deny the existence of God to me. He, he has always been real. He has always been very present. 
So therefore, my early faith journey was to try to figure out how I could be a follower of Christ in a very secular environment. And as a a young uh, teenager, like, I mean, I I didn't have a lot of Christian friends at school. And as a matter of fact, I didn't have a lot of Christians around me at all. I wanted to be a follower of Christ, but how could I do it? I had a desire on my heart to follow him. But how could I be a follower of Jesus Christ? And uh, for me, my journey was that I made a decision to give my life to Jesus uh, after a summer conference or at the summer conference at the age of 12. And I believed in God before that. I mean, God had always been a present part in my life. But I realized at the age of 12 that I had to make my own decision. I couldn't be dependent on my parents' belief any longer. And at that point, for me, there was, there was no turning back. Anybody in here can, who can relate to that? You have, you, you, may, you know the time when you made your decision and you know that this is for me. This is for my entire life. This is my life journey. And at that point, I didn't know so much about the Bible. I didn't know so much about theology. But I I knew, and I stand firm by it today, that the purpose of my life was to follow Jesus Christ. And if we carry on in my story as a 13, 14-year-old, I desperately tried to, to find a fellowship. I wanted to get into a church with other Christians. I wanted to tag into the thing that we have this morning of worshiping together or praying together. And I tried. I grew up in a little place, a small town about an hour south of Stockholm. And there was a little church congregation that I started going to, consisting of a bunch of old people and me. All right. And that was really, really good for a moment. I mean, I see God's blessing in that. But I I was hungry for more. I wanted something more. And then when I was 15 years old, my, my brother got saved. And he, together, we started a little youth group at a small Pentecostal church in a neighboring village. I mean, we're talking about the kind of place they have like a supermarket and that's it. The kids are just out on the street driving their EPA tractors. If, you know, if you're Swede, you know what that is. When you don't have a driving license, you can just drive around. And that was the place in the small little church where we started seeking God. We started praying in that church basement. And as we were praying, things started to happen. I don't know if anybody in here, if you've heard that song, Old Church Basement, by the worship song with the worship band, Maverick City. It's a little bit of church nostalgia, but I can, I mean, my brother and I, we would listen to it sometimes because we remember those days when we literally had nothing. We didn't have any big screens. We were playing worship, or I was playing worship on an off-tune piano. I mean, that, that was like the, the standard that we, that we had. But as we were praying, God started doing something. We went out to those guys driving their epitractors on the, on the street and they came into church and things were happening. And the thing is that it wasn't anything big or spectacular. But I knew that this was the life that God had called me to live. And then after uh, graduating from high school at the age of 18, I went to a Bible school in Uppsala. And for the first time in my life, I 
was surrounded by Christians on a regular daily basis, which was amazing and really, really difficult at the same time, uh, if you know what I mean. And I would sit through daily Bible teaching, fantastic, I was so hungry for the Word of God. But there was one class that I struggled a little bit more than the other classes. And that was, ironically enough, it was about the book of Romans. Don't get me wrong, like the teacher, he was amazing. He was a fantastic teacher, a fantastic communicator. But it was a little bit too deep and a little bit too complicated for me. I just didn't get it. It just kind of went over my head. So take today's passage, for example, and I'm going to read in a, in a slightly different translation. So now we're going to get many, many different translations of Romans 12. Uh, but I'm going to read from New King James Version, uh, which is obviously a slightly older translation, quite similar to some of the translations that were around when I was 18 years old. And it says here, and I think it's going to come up here on the screen as well. So I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some of you, you might be nodding your head. You've gotten this already. I, I listened and looked forward to the fika break. Maybe some of you are doing that here, and that's fine. We have fantastic fika in this church. But that's not why we're here, you know, just to, just to look forward to the break. And as a matter of fact, the Bible can be quite difficult to understand sometimes. Let, let us be honest here in church. The language can be complicated. And in my case, I mean, it was very, very different from the Swedish that I would communicate on a regular basis. And how could I apply something to my life with words that I didn't understand? Are you with me? So, I mean, I never sacrificed an animal in my life. Even though I grew up on a farm, like, I didn't, you know. How could I relate to my body becoming a living sacrifice to God? How should I not conform to something if I didn't know the meaning of the word conform? I ask my students on a regular basis to look upwards. We need to improve our vocabulary. And sometimes it is the same thing about the Bible. We need to look upwards. How can we make this? How can we apply it into our lives? And I think also on top of that, I would never become a brethren. So I'm glad that your translation said brothers and sisters because I think that kind of includes and maybe that, that was what it was supposed to be. But sometimes reading the old biblical language, it makes, it's a bit foreign to us. How can we make this relatable in our own lives? And I have slowly learned to love the biblical language. I've read it so many times. I'm getting into it. Don't get me wrong. But how could I apply something that I didn't understand? How could I, as a young 18-year-old Swedish girl, become a follower of Jesus?
But fortunately, I, I wasn't the only one struggling with the biblical language. The American pastor and Bible scholar Eugene Peterson noticed the same thing. And he wrote that the people in his congregation either knew virtually nothing about the Bible or spent years reading it but had let it go flat through familiarity, reduced to cliches. And he found that people were bored with the Bible. Like me, sitting there in class, in Bible class, talking about Romans, wanting to understand. I mean, that's why we come to church, right? We want to understand. We want to get hold of what God has for us. But we, we don't quite get it sometimes. So Peterson's life message became, mission became to get the words of the Bible into people's heads and to people's hearts. Getting the message as something that is lived, not just something that is read. And as a translator, he worked for over 30 years in trying to translate the vivid Hebrew and Greek originals into a language of today. A language that regular, ordinary, everyday people would understand. Just like the everyday, ordinary people it was originally written to. Translated into a language that young Swedish teenage girls could understand. And not only that, but also apply to their own lives. So I was 20 years old when I got a hold of the Message Bible for the first time. And I have it with me here today. It's quite bashed up. It's falling apart. But I think that is a good sign. Sometimes, you know, Justin, he has his church Bible, the Bible that he only brings to church because it looks clean, it looks nice. But that's maybe not the Bible that you read on a, on a regular basis. That is the preaching Bible. But I thought today that I'm going to show the Bible that this sometimes is a Bible that has been read and a Bible that has been cherished and loved and read through many, many, many times. So I was 20 years old. Uh, I was working in England at this time. I was working for a Christian youth organization called New Generation. I had just met Justin, although he hadn't quite understood that he liked me yet. He had a, f <laughs> he, uh, had a few other baits on the hook, but he hadn't quite discovered like, what true love was at that point yet. Okay. And at that point, we were eight people living in a little Victorian semi-attached house in Birmingham. We were working together, we were living together, we were doing life together, and sometimes we just needed a little bit of space, right? As you do. There was no space in that, in that tiny, tiny little house, not even, I'm not going to go into details. Anyways, there, were no, there was no space. But there was a little prayer shed, or it wasn't a prayer shed at the point. It was a little tool shed in the garden that we fixed up, and we made it into a prayer shed. And it was there, in that shed, on a, this dusty little armchair that we had found, that I tried to make my way through the New Testament in this Bible. And it was in that shed at 20 years old, when I probably had one of my most powerful Bible experiences of my life. It was like God just opened up the gateways of heaven and spoke to me in a language that I could understand. So as I was reading, I made my way 
through the Bible, and then I came to the book of Romans, the, the, book, the book that I didn't quite get. But in the Message Bible, it suddenly just clicked with me, and I came to, I think it's Shethil's favorite verse, right? Or favorite uh, chapter, Romans 8. And it was like, boom, it just hit me. When it talks about who I am in relation to God, it talks about that He is our Father, and that we are His children, and that we can cry out to Him, Papa! And I had read this before in, in my older translations, and it said, like, you can cry out to Abba, Father. It's the same thing translated from Jesus' uh, mother tongue, Aramaic. But it wasn't until I read the word Papa that it kind of clicked with me. Because it is the same word as the one in Swedish. That just like I, as a child, I would cry out to my dad, Papa, in a brutally childlike, honest way. And then I realized that this is the way that God wants us to cry out to him. That is our, the, the relationship that we have with the living father. He's not just a distant father in heaven, but he is our papa, our dad. So that was the first revelation. The first thing that kind of clicked with me. And you can understand now that at this, at this point, I was, I was quite excited. I'd made, or God had revealed this word to me. The first revelation was who I was in relation with God. And just like Justin was talking about last time, about losing Jesus, finding Jesus. I had lost Jesus in translation. But as I was reading and as I was seeking him, I found him. And not only that, I discovered who I was in relation to him. And as I continued to read the book of Romans, I was about to discover the scripture of today where it hit me. What am I supposed to do? How can I be a follower of Jesus Christ? And you might be sitting here today wondering the same thing, that how can I be a follower of Christ in a secular environment in Malmö, in Sweden today? Because that's where we are, right? God has brought you here for a reason. How can we follow Jesus Christ? So let me take you back to Romans 12. And might some of you have gotten it already in the previous translation. Congratulations, well done. You might have been a Christian for a long time. You've gotten it. But maybe there is somebody in here that need to hear it in the words that made me understand at the age of 20. So I'm going to read it to you today. So it says in, in Romans 12, from verse 1. So here is what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating and going to work life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. And church, finally, to me, the sacrifice made sense. Jesus was the final sacrifice. We're not required to do that. That's done and over with already. But instead, God is asking us to give what we have to him. 
to involve him in our lives, to give every single part of our lives over to him. Allowing him to do his work in us and through us. He's asking us to do one thing. To give everything, absolutely everything, over to him. And then we can carry on in verse 2 where it says, Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and he will change you from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. And there... In the shed, in Birmingham, England, as a 20-year-old, I just knew and I decided that this would be the guiding light in my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I can honestly say that it has been for the past 16 years. I don't even have to read the scriptures anymore. I know it by heart. That's how much it means to me. And this is a constant reminder of what my life should be. A verse to fall back on in those times when we fail, because we will fail, we're not perfect. So on my way to work, if I don't know what else to pray, I would just read the scripture over me on my bike. Be like, so here is what I want you to do. Take your every day, your ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work or cycling to work, as we do in Malmö. And place it before God as an offering. I invite you into my life, God. I give it over to you. Help me today. That is often my prayer, going to work. Sometimes we want it big and spectacular, but as a matter of fact, most things in our life actually revolves about the everyday, the ordinary things, the repetitive things, the admin of life. But every day as I walk the 12 staircases up to the high school where I work as a teacher, I pray for my school. I pray for my workplace. I invite the Holy Spirit to come in. I quietly say, God, I give this day to you. Have your way. And I remind myself between the breaths, because I do work in a very rough inner city, secular environment. I pray, help me not to become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it, that I fit into it without even thinking. Instead, help me fix my eyes on you, God, so that you can change me from the inside out. And when I get into work, there I find my students who might be battling with gender issues, suicidal thoughts, the pressure of living up to the expectations that they meet on social media, or just the pressure of life in general. I lean back on these words. God's bring, God brings out the best in you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. 
And that is what I pray for, that I will be able, I might not be able to fix their lives. I might not be able to even to witness to them in the role that I'm in. But I can ask God to come in and take over in that situation. Because honestly, to speak the truth is that I can't do it. I cannot be the perfect Christ follower. But I can hand over what I do have to the living God. And therefore, I love what it says in the beginning. So here is what I want you to do. God helping you. He's going to help us to do it. We're not meant to do it by ourselves. And as a matter of fact, it isn't so difficult to be a light in this world. Because being a follower of Christ, it actually allows God's light to shine through you if you make yourself available. In this world, unselfishness won't go unnoticed. People will notice it. They will see it in you. I once got a note from a co-worker that was quitting saying that there is something different about you. I can't put my finger on what. And I think that that is the thing that people notice. They notice like something is different. You take the situation. It's just like there is something, but, but I, I don't know quite what. The light of God. Christ in me. Christ in you. And I wanted to take some time to share my story today because maybe you are sitting here wondering how you can live your life according to his will. And church, I have good news for, this, for you this morning. God is not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for available people. People who invite him into his world, into your world. People to invite him into your sleeping, your eating, going to work life and walking around life. That's what God wants you to do. That is my belief. So my question for you here today, and one that we're going to keep on coming back to as well, is there, is there any area in your life where you haven't yet invited Christ in. That maybe you are a regular churchgoer, but where are your thoughts on a Monday morning or on a Thursday afternoon after that team meeting or in school or uni when your mates are making weekend plans? How can we live lives that are not compartmentalized into church life and everyday life, but lives that are following Jesus all together, all the time, living genuinely in the faith that he has given to us? How can we be genuine Christ followers? So here, church, we actually do have an opportunity we have an opportunity to be the light and the salt of the world that Jesus has called us to be in our everyday situations. It might be by praying for somebody in your school or in your workplace. Maybe you see a need. Invite the Holy Spirit to be present where you are. And when situations are getting maybe tense or stressful, Close your eyes and take a moment to ask for God's peace that surpasses all understanding, to come and fill that place 
because you have that connection. I sometimes think that, you know, there might be people in my workplace, colleagues or students, that no one else is praying for. What a privilege to be praying for those people, to be the one actually lifting them up before the Father in heaven. Love people around you. And if you can't do it by yourself, because sometimes it is really, really hard to love people, but ask God to give you a supernatural love for those people around you. Try to discover beauty in people at your workplace. Speak words of encouragement. Make a decision to be an agent for Jesus wherever you are, following his mission in this world. So my question to you is, is, are you true to your faith on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday afternoon, on Thursday, on Friday, or on Saturday night? Are you the same person with your workmates as you are with your Christian friends? And if you feel like you need a little bit of help, okay, I need some inspiration here. This feels a little bit daunting. Then I just want to encourage you to carry on reading from Romans 12. Because there is, it's a, there is more to this chapter. There is so much gold into this chapter. And I'm just going to read a few things here. It says... Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Some of you, you might feel a little bit burnt out at the moment. And you feel like, okay, I'm doing too much. I don't know how to be able to carry it on. And I have a word for you from Romans 12 here as well. It says, don't burn out. I'll say it again. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times, but pray all the harder. I love that. If you don't get along with somebody, then maybe it is that boss or that annoying colleague or that frustrating neighbor that Matthew was talking about the other week. It says in Romans 12, bless your enemies, no cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy and share tears with your sad friends when they're sad. That maybe we can be there for somebody. It might be a friend who's struggling to raise their children. That maybe there is something that is just eating people up from the inside because you feel like you are never enough. You can be there speaking hope into that situation. You can pray for that person. Or for me, who's working with young people, that maybe somebody is struggling with their identity. You can speak truth and hope into their lives. Or it might be, just like we've been praying for in Connect Group, it might be a colleague who has just been diagnosed with cancer and you feel like life is hopeless. But you can be there. You can send those encouraging text messages. You can pray for that person in your Connect Group. You can be there. You can share God's, God's light and God's truth with those situ- in those situations. 
But we have to remind ourselves, I mean, it also says in God's word, we're not supposed to be put down or depressed by everything going on around us. That is not the point. But we can be there for them, encouraging them, praying for them, and letting them know quietly or with words that sometimes you don't even have to speak it out. Maybe you're not allowed to speak it out. But you can let them know by praying for them that there is somebody Jesus Christ, who can carry the burden for them in that situation. And in the world that is self-focused, we are limited by our human strengths, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we can open up the gateways of heaven and we can bring hope and light into those situations around us. Isn't that amazing? We carry on reading, and it says, get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. And this is the gospel worldview. It's not about just living comfortable lives for ourselves. It is not just about having a cozy gathering here on the Sunday morning. But it is to bring the good news of the gospel into our world, into our everyday lives. You can bring hope to your world in Malmö, Sweden, this week. As you're out, if you're on maternity leave, maybe, out walking the pram, maybe you had a rough night's sleep, maybe you meet somebody else who's in the same situation, and you can speak hope into that. You can encourage them. You can pray for them. Or as you're traveling, I don't know if anybody here, you're, you're about to, to hit that plane and to, to go and fix up some fancy machines or something like that in another, another part of the world. That God can be with you in the situation as you're on that plane or as you're doing what you are supposed to do because God has given you those skills. We're here, we're in the marketplace meeting different people around the city. I mean, most likely we're probably covering the whole city in here with all the places that we go to on a regular basis, in schools, nurseries, workplaces, supermarkets. And you can bring the hope of God into your situation because being a follower of Jesus Christ doesn't require a theology degree. It doesn't require any extraordinary skills at all, as a matter of fact. No special talents, but being a follower of Jesus is in, about inviting him into your world, making yourself available to him. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as leaders of this church and in our connect group, we have been seeking God's face for quite some time now. And we've been doing it also through silence. But those of you who are in my connect group, who actually have been taking every session, just quietly listening to God for two minutes before we enter into prayer. And we're going to do that. I actually want us to do that as a church Today, before we enter into worship, 
I want you to take those two minutes to ask God, is there any area of my life that I haven't yet handed over to you? And as we do, it is my prayer that God will speak to you in the quiet, because it says in God's word, be still and know that I am God. If this is new to you, then I'm just going to give you some simple instructions. Just close your eyes, open your hands, maybe put them on your lap. And if you feel like you're getting distracted, then just quietly say to yourself, Jesus, because he is our center. So we're going to do that. I'm going to set the timer, and then I'm going to let you know when those two minutes are up. And then after that, we're going to enter into worship. But let's take these, these two moments in silence to listen to God's voice. So we're going to do it starting from now. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary, your sleeping, your eating, and going to work life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Because unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. 
So I want to encourage you today as we've taken this time, as we've been listening to the voice of God, if you feel like there is something on your heart, God urging you that maybe there is an area where you need to hand over something to God. One area maybe where you just need to, to give this over as an offering to Him. Then we will give an opportunity for you to come forward during the worship session. Or maybe you are sitting here today and you haven't made a decision to become a Christ follower today, but you feel like, actually, I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. Then I also want to invite you to come forward, to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time. So we're going to hand over. We're going to spend time in worship. You feel to, free to stand up if you want to, if you want to remain seated. But let's seek God's face together today as we try to figure out how to become genuine followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you, church.